If there is anything that I learned from my conversation with Pete McGregor today, it is that he will outwork you. He will outtrain you. He has bad days, just like anybody else. But he'll work his ass off. And no matter what ability you have and what disability he has, he'll prove that he has what it takes to make your life on the mat a living hell. And in the best way possible. Because if we're going to show up to a day, it's up to us to show up with that extra 1%, with that, uh, with that attitude that uh, tomorrow is not guaranteed. So how are you going to show up? So I hope that you enjoy this episode and check out Pete McGregor on Instagram. Give him a Google and share this episode with a friend. Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase Season 2. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. I'm your host, Chris Little. Let's get started. The Lifestyle Chase is brought to you by Yeg Fitness. Yeg Fitness is Edmonton, Alberta, Canada's healthy lifestyle community, creating and supporting active living for all. Check them out online at yegfitness.ca and on social media at Yeg Fitness. Welcome to episode 90 of the Lifestyle Chase. I am joined by the one and only Pete McGregor. Did I get your name right? You did, definitely. Woohoo! So, what was today like for you? Like, it's nice and sunny outside. What did you get up to? Uh, actually, not much. Um, uh, I've been home from San Diego uh, for about... Uh, um, actually, I just got home from Hawaii on Christmas Eve. I was there uh, watching a teammate defend um, her title for Bellator. Uh, but before that, um, I'd only been home for about maybe 10 days from San Diego from the last competition training um, that I've been doing. So so for me, when I'm back in Edmonton and I'm here and, um, you know, especially when it's the winter, I'm, I'm sitting at home and I'm resting my body and I'm trying to, you know, take care of 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 the things that i neglect when i'm gone you know so that's awesome uh as far as like hawaii goes what's your favorite part about hawaii like i i have a hawaii tattoo on my arm i love it there i've only been there like Mm. three times but it's just such a neat place to be yeah you you know i've only been there once and um it was for four four five days i really only got four days to myself um but they were pretty much all packed up with um media events and uh, the weigh-ins and you know making sure um i'm meeting you know my coaches and stuff like that for dinner so the really the, the the best part to me um was after the fight event where um, my teammate invited us to her family's residence and we actually really got a a glimpse of hawaiian culture and and um her family life and and like uh there was lots of music and food and uh, you know it was just a great experience so so i would say the people for sure i love it um so for someone who doesn't know who you are in the present now your day-to-day like describe yourself in about 30 seconds um i am a a disabled jujitsu i do jujitsu i have um um, a disability i'm a paraplegic uh very high paralysis i only have control of about a third of my body um but i spend um, six months of my year in San Diego uh, training jiu-jitsu, and um, the other time is spent um, competing and traveling to other destinations around the world, um, specifically like um, London, Greece, um, 
uh, where else am I going? Um, there's just too many to name, to be honest with you. I, I was in Norway, um, Sweden. Um, I've, I've, I've trained pretty much in a lot of places in, in, in Europe and uh, all over America. So, so most of my, my time in the last three years has been devoted to, to, to jiu-jitsu. So um, as far as your involvement with jiu-jitsu goes, like what inspired you to go to your first, your first class or your first lesson? Uh, well, um, I think the thing that really put me over the hump was I was sitting in my hospital uh, bed. Um, it was probably the 40th plus surgery I'd had in over a 10-year period. Um, and I was listening to this podcast consistently, uh, the the Church of What's Happening Now. It's, uh, it's a guy named Joey Diaz. And, um, you know, most people would listen to this podcast and not exactly find motivation um, to do much but laugh. Um, but uh, he was over 400 pounds at one time and started training jiu-jitsu and, um, you know, was just talking about the health benefits of it. And, you know, I'd already had a deep connection to the podcast, Joe Rogan podcast, um, and his best friend is Eddie Bravo, who is who is now the master of the system that I train. So, um, so it's a very kind of like, it, it's a weird place to find the motivation, but um, through these people, through this, these friends um, that have connected in the podcast world, they kind of made my world a, a, a lot smaller, um, you know, by, by encouraging me to get out there and try jujitsu. I love it. So as far as like, because your experience with jujitsu would be different from a lot of other people's experience with jujitsu. Did you have anybody that kind of inspired you that was kind of going through the same disability? Uh, definitely not. <clears throat> um, it took me probably over a year um, to find somebody um, that had the same disability as me training. Um, you know, there were other people out there with with other disabilities uh, to look to look up to for sure. Um, especially in the wrestling community, um, I, I found a guy named Anthony Robles real late. But um, if you're if you're into combat sports, particularly grappling, um, definitely check out a guy named Anthony Robles. Uh, he, he's a monster and he, he wrestled in uh, Div 1 uh, in America with one leg. So, um, and then won all sorts of championships, you know. What's your biggest obstacle? Like, like what did any coach ever like turn you down for, for giving you any kind of training or was it pretty easy? Did you find it easy to get into the sport? <clears throat> you know, um, although I've heard some horror stories in my, my journey thus far, you know, I've been in, doing jiu-jitsu um, consistently over the last six years. I personally haven't had any of those stories. Um, you know, I've, it, what has happened to me, though, is I've definitely outgrown one place and had to move on to another place. Um, you know, so, you know, there's weird things that happen in the jiu-jitsu world that I don't think you're aware of when you first get into it. And um, depending on your involvement, whether you're a hobbyist or, or somebody that wants to take a more competitive approach, um, sometimes your trajectory ends up being very different than, than where you started. So, um, you know, uh, unfortunately though, jiu-jitsu is like still a bit of a, a, a new sport, which lets it sit in the old world sometimes. And there's a little bit of politics that comes with, um, with, with old people, as you know. So um, the old ways of it are dying, which is good. And the ability to cross train and be more open to, to, to go to other gyms is, is out there, but there's still a mentality where um, we want to keep our secrets, our secrets, and our team is our team and your team is your team. And I, I just don't think that helps anybody in the community. Absolutely. So with keeping a, a daily routine or, or whatever it is, keeping some consistency to the process, 
there's going to be days like everybody has their days when they're like they're just not feeling it they're not feeling the motivation for yourself like and your process what are the things that you have to do to stay motivated to train regularly um well i i know that i have to do definitely what's in my power you know um the things i can control i have to be very vigilant about so you know uh feeding myself correctly getting the appropriate amount of sleep um recovering uh allowing my body to recover um but i'll tell you with great honesty that i don't always um check those boxes and sometimes i suffer uh, uh as a consequence um but I'll tell I'll tell you this. Um, I'm actually um, I was I was kind of scared to do this podcast because to, to be honest with you, I'm emotionally I'm probably at the one of the lowest points of of, of of my journey. But I actually welcome these moments in my life now because I've been here before. I've been I've been in the low streak, and you know I I wait for these moments sometimes because I know that the climb is going to be so good, you know, and whatever else is beyond this is just going to be so much better. So. So I've gotten a little bit practiced in the art of kind of <laughs> allowing um, allowing the bad to kind of, of wash over me and, and sit with it for a minute, just realizing that um, there's so much good to come. And my life is, is, is really great. And I really, at the end of the day, have nothing to be, um, to be down for. But we all get here. We all go through these things and we all find, you know, lack of motivation, um, you know, with our journey. And I, I just say that welcome these moments, you know, know that you've been struggling and going through tough times before and, and you've triumphed and this will just be another one of those things. I totally agree. And you nailed it. And this is the podcast to be on for those times because it's honestly like the whole inspiration to telling people's stories and to not like beat around the bush with like these moments of feeling like feeling struggle or feeling beat down. Like that's what, is powerful for other people that listen like somebody that's inspired by your story they're going to listen to it and they're going to understand like you're you're fighting in the trenches too like it's it's if somebody is struggling it's not just them it's like people that they look up to it's people in positions of influence it's people who are the leaders it's people who it's anybody like everybody has has their times and if we talk through it it makes us more resilient versus if we just avoid the topic altogether then we're worried that we're the only one Exactly. And um, I think something that's really helped me being around um, people that are highly successful all the time, um, doing these things at a very high level is seeing them go through these things and having having them be honest with me about, you know, their their trials. And, um, you know, I just I find sometimes I find motivation in the worst places and I just that's the thing I, I try to remember the most, you know, is that some of the worst moments of my life have brought me the biggest inspiration. I like, for instance, in jujitsu, you know, I had been dealing with so many medical problems over a 10 year period um, and had so many surgeries that I, I honestly had, had resided to a life of, you know, being miserable and lying in a bed and, you know, just not being able to do anything um, because of the injuries that I had. But, you know, out of that dark place came this this beautiful thing and here i am riding this this wave six years later so you know as, as down as i feel you know the last the last little bit i know there's an upswing coming and i just i can't wait for it you know so. i completely agree and i think like this time of year attributes to things too like it's just it's a time where like daylight is limited um holidays are a, a sensitive time for a lot of different people for a variety of different reasons 
And it's just, yeah, like life kicks you in the ass. And then a few months later, you could be feeling totally, totally different. And it's about just kind of like riding that wave and getting through it all. So your, your story is, uh, it's pretty inspiring, but we've barely like dove into it. And I guess, I guess I just want to know more about the origin as to like how life kicked you in the ass. Like, uh, you're living with this disability. You've had all these different surgeries. What, what caused it initially? So when I was eight years old, I was in a multi-vehicle collision. Um, it was a six-vehicle collision where my car was kind of ping-ponged around, um, and I ended up getting smashed at the end of it between a fire hydrant and a, a three-quarter-ton truck. So we were in an '84 Honda Civic, and if you can imagine, you know you know that car getting beat up quite a bit it was it was a shell of itself and me and my parents took the most most damage out of it my dad took some severe damage to his legs is still able to walk though but um i broke my back in the process um and during the whole uh thing i actually i uh, should have had a, a very much lower um uh, paralysis than i do have you know um they have medical interventions now where they actually like if for instance, if a football player gets gets a spinal cord injury on the field, they immediately rush him into the back and they put him in like a, like um, pre-hypothermia. Um, so they have these interventions now that they know um, um, will help um, spinal cord injury people getting worse injuries, but they didn't have that intervention at the time. So something that was a very low break for me ended up being a very high paralysis. So, so um, for all those... Uh, people with uh, anatomy um, backgrounds out there. My break is at L23, um, lumbar 23, and my paralysis is up at uh, thoracic seven. Wow. So that's just uh, about an inch above my belly button, maybe about an inch and a half above my belly button um, down. Uh, I have no control over, no feeling over, so. Do you remember like what life was like before that uh, shitty, shitty day? Yeah, yeah, you know, um, the usual, the kids playing, um, I was active in sports, <clears throat> especially soccer, and uh, yeah, just a, a normal childhood. I was a, a, a kid that played hockey in the wintertime and uh, played played soccer in the summertime, you know, so um, it was just a, just a normal, regular upbringing on the north side of Edmonton. Yeah, what were the five biggest things that had to change in your mindset, just like, how you how you approach situations, how you looked at life, how you went to school, things like that. Okay, so I, I tell this story this way is I got the kind of the rush job treatment or the, the easy way out mentally, um, because I think as a kid, you're so resilient that you don't think about these things. You don't think that you're going to have to change your mindset or, you know, you're you don't know what your world looks like yet. So how do you know how it will change over a course of time from the, the moment you're in a chair to being in a wheelchair? So so I thought I think eight years old, you know, between six and nine probably is a sweet spot for people to go through something very traumatic like that, because it's not necessarily um, life changing in the way that they they know their whole life is going to be altered in the future, but they get a glimpse of it very early on and they notice, you know, um, you know, oh, like life isn't going to be the same here, you know, but I, as a kid, I just never, I never really thought about it, to be honest with you. You don't think about these things in those terms uh, when you're a kid. So I think I was just resilient enough that I just thought, hey, this is, this is my life now. 
what uh, did did you stay active? What what did you end up doing in the first like few years or whatever? So my parents got me immediately into sport. Um, I tried sledge hockey for a while, and I, I I didn't connect with that. But I ended up playing wheelchair basketball at a very very high level for a long time. Um, I was I you know I played right up until I was about twenty four, um, and I was scouted by um, college team. Um, college teams nwba teams um but uh i you know was more interested in in girls at the time and um, didn't take those opportunities pardon me when i had them uh but about 24 25 is when my medical problems started so you know over the course of about an 11 uh 12 year period um, i had some major 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 surgeries that altered you know my the course of my life and um, I wasn't active for quite a long time. And then, you know, something happened to me in my life where, um, you know, it made me realize that I needed to do some growing up. So when I was 31 or 32, I decided to go back to, to post-secondary school um, and, and get a degree and, and try to enter the workforce um, in a way that was going to be, um, you know, conducive to my medical situation and, and my lifestyle. Um, but I soon found that, you know, working in, you know, the profession that I'd chosen just definitely was going to burn me out real quick. So, you know, I was lucky to find jujitsu um, or unlucky to find it late, um, but also lucky to find it when I did uh, at about, I think I was 34. Um, uh, so, you know, I was just, it was just a weird fortunate series of events that kind of, um, or unfortunate series of events that led me to a fortunate position um, and eventually just put me on the doorstep of jujitsu. So that's awesome. And it kind of gives me a lot to work with as far as questions go. I like that you had your, your process or your period of time playing basketball. And I found that coaches can be a pretty influential person in a person's life. Did, would you share that, uh, that opinion or like, did, did your coaches leave you with, with something, a different way to lead your life? Or did you find that it goes kind of like, it, it didn't really matter. You were just playing the sport, just putting in the time. No, I, I definitely had some, some really influential coaches, some very um, strong personalities as coaches. Um, people that I remember being, being, you know, super influential, but, but, you know, also um, as in every situation, um, uh, people let you down as well. So, and in a team sports setting, you know, I thought I was connected with team sports in a certain way because, um, you know, I was even like politically, I guess my leanings are always about um, the, what's best for the group, you know. Um, but uh, in, a, in a team sport setting, I think you're more apt to go through some trials and tribulations that um, that you don't expect, you know, and you, you think that people have got your, your back the whole time. But um but I definitely had some positive influences in my life, especially later in, in my, my basketball career. Um, you know, and I, I for sure thank those people for, for giving me, um, for all, for all that positivity, for sure. Especially a guy named Steve Bach, Steve Bach, uh, locally in Edmonton here is known as one of the, the better, um, um, guys who's, who's been involved with wheelchair basketball on this, this side of the world. So I definitely give him a lot of credit. What are some things that you really look up to about Steve? Uh, you know, he's a straightforward guy. Um, you know, he, he, he know, you know, 
Steve, the, the biggest, the best memory I have of Steve is um, we were losing a game um, in a quarterfinal of, I think it was the 2003 Canada games. And um, we should have been beating this team handily. Um, and I just remember the team talk that came from him because usually Steve was the guy that like, he was the stern guy, but you know, he wasn't getting too up or too down. You know, he would tell you you're playing like shit if that's what you needed to hear. He would pat you on the back if he thought that's what you needed to hear. But I just remember getting in this room and um, he gave the most rager of a, of a pep talk, just calling people out and throwing chairs and very like un, you know, expected or, you know, just, you know, just something that you just out of left field for a coach like him. But, um, you know, that, we, we all definitely needed to hear that. And we obviously came out in the second half and destroyed that team. So, um, you know, I just, I, I, if I would give him credit for anything, it was just being able to say the right thing at the right time. So having had that experience and having it be such a pivotal thing for you in that game, if you switched places with him and you were still on that team, but then second version of you was the coach of that team. Would you give the same pep talk or would you give a, a different pep oh, yeah. talk? Same thing? Oh, yeah. Same thing. Same. We all needed to we all needed to be called out in such a way that he did it. And, um, you know, like, no, no, no joke. There were, like, two people crying in that room. Like, it was, uh, there, were, and there was, like, we were in a classroom in a school, which is where the event was taking place. And he was tossing desks and throwing books and, you know, like, he was just overturning the room and, um I think he just wanted everybody to to like take that same fire you know that he displayed in that room out with them you know so that most definitely like even if i could have turned it up you know another two or three notches i definitely would have i would have done that for sure that's awesome can you think <laughs> of like two other moments in your life where you needed nothing more than another pep talk just like that uh it, well, I could definitely remember one that happened very recently. Um, I, I uh, decided to do Worlds in 2017. It's the most prestigious uh, jiu-jitsu event, able-bodied or, 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 or it, it's an able-bodied event. Um, disabled people do take part in it, but um, um, it's the most prestigious no-gi grappling event um, in jiu-jitsu. And um, I, uh, I went there with a teammate, um, a mentor, who I thought was going to be around um, to help me out, but ended up disappearing on me, which which kind of left me really, really weary of the day. But one of my um, one of my instructors from San Diego um, came up, uh, and I didn't even know he was there, and he hung out with me for the day. Uh, his name is PJ Barch, and um, he's one of the the most higher level guys in our system right now. But um, he just walked around and talked with me all day. Um, I don't know if he knew that I needed it, but him just treating me as a friend and talking to me about jujitsu and, um, you know, giving me insight into people that were, were, um, you know, um, having matches that day, you know, it was just something I really needed in the moment to take um, my mind off of it. So, so again, like, you know, coaches for me have always been able to say that right thing at the right time, you know, the, the ones that have given me the most influence. So, so, you know, at that moment, being scared, being on that big stage, um, being around all those people, um, people that you've looked up to for years, um, you've seen, you know, on only on TV um, in big matches. And now you're sharing the mats with them. Um, 
you know, it was, it was just a really cool moment to be able to sit in like a quiet comfort with one of your coaches and have him just talk to you about jujitsu. So what goes through your head? What, what, what's the self-talk before you're going to have a competition? Like what, what do you have to tell yourself to, to make it happen? And what's the, the bad shit that you have to, to fight off? Like everybody has negative self-talk. What, what yeah. happens with your negative self-talk and what kind of positive stuff do you have to, uh, over override that with um well i think my self-talk usually comes from a place where the people that i'm matching up against they're always um of a higher ability than me so my negative self-talk would probably be mostly along the lines of i'm about to get my ass kicked here um you know i don't deserve to be here and all these kind of things you know i go through that um less and less and less as the more i compete but um, I remember at the very beginning, you know, these, these feelings were strong. But I just offset them um, by knowing how difficult my training process is. Um, you know, I, I, I put myself through. And that was something that I found when I did my Worlds match. I was so frightened for that. Not frightened, but the, the fear was heightened in me, you know, in that match. Um, just because I hadn't been on that stage. And I thought that, um, you know... You know, I might have, you know, taken a moment to not necessarily represent my team well, or that would embarrass my coach and, you know, all of these things. And I ended up getting out there in that match and I survived the whole time. Um, I lost the match on points, but um, but I noticed that every training session I'd ever had um, before that was hard, was harder than the match itself. So um, and something I remember all the time is that, you know, I've trained hard and I, and I do take my training very seriously. So when I have them, even just recently, I had a match in Long Beach and I took like a nine week training camp, like a, like a, like a fighter does, um, you know, and I, I went out to San Diego. I lived that lifestyle trained, you know, four or five times a day, uh, five days a week, uh, once on Saturday, once on Sunday, you know, and I'm really like putting myself through as much hell as possible so that when I get to the five, six, seven, eight minute match that I'm about to do. It really is, you know, no sweat off my back, you know? I like that. And it's, it's a cool way to see it because so many people are up against, uh, different, different odds. Like you don't necessarily always have the odds in your favor, but then you're able to reflect on the amount of work that you put in. And a lot of people put in a lot of work. They, they get into this, uh, this match or this, this obstacle that they face and they forget, how much work they put in they're just talking shit to themselves and forgetting mm -hmm. like they they're ready for this they prepared for this what kind of advice would you have for someone that's uh kind of approaching a new challenge and you know that they put in the work but it doesn't matter they're, they're still talking shit you know um that's the toughest part for me mentally to be honest with you the, the mental game is is hard for me to um to advise people about just because I struggle with it so much myself, but, but you, I mean, you really hit on the thing that I talk to myself about the most. Like I'm so confident in the fact that nobody, like I'm, I'm really in the top 5% of people who train as heavy as I do with legs or not, you know? So, um, I just, I know in my heart when I get out on the mat that, there's not many people that will stand in front of me that have ever trained as much as I do. Some people don't even train half as much as I do and are twice as competitive as me. So, um, 
you know, we each have our own ways of, of, of dealing with our mental state. But if you want to be true to your journey and everything that you're doing, just put in as much work as possible and then just live with the consequences of the results of that, you know? Absolutely. When it comes down to like you, you went into school again, kind of later on, and there's going to be people that are, that there, there's nothing that's holding them back other than the fact that they think that they're too old to go back to school. What was that process like for you? Like, did you, did you make that excuse or were you like, Oh, whatever, we're doing this. Let's go. Yeah. You know, I, I go through these things in my head is, you know, of course, like I deal with this, this mental battle all the time, but I'm also one of these people that I just decide to do something and then I just do it, which is like, you know, the whole thing about jujitsu, it wasn't necessarily like there was a, a culmination of a fact, many factors, but the biggest factor of anything that I do is I just decide that I'm doing this. It doesn't matter how good I do it or, you know, I just, I, I'm going to do it till I take it to its limit, you know? Um, so, uh, rightly or wrongly, you know, I immerse myself completely, maybe, maybe obsessively sometimes. Um, but I feel like that's how to get good quickly at something, especially when you start it late, you know? Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's just the whole, like, just focus on what you want to do, put in the work and do it. Like quit coming up with excuses. Like sometimes people have to think really hard to come up with all these excuses for like the physical things they're going to do or the mental things that they're going to do. But like the people that are successful at something set themselves apart because they just woke up, said, I'm going to do this. And then they did it. So, so like, let me just, let me just share with you about the last six years. Okay. And I, I hate like pointing my finger at people and telling them what to do, but this is particularly what I've done. And I've seen results from, I don't have cable. I don't watch every single Netflix show that comes out. You ask me about like, ask me about a show that you watch on Netflix, the Witcher. You ever heard of that one? That's the brand new one that everybody, I've never heard of it. I've never seen it. People have to point these things out to me. The only like I used to watch the big four, you know, NFL, NBA, all that stuff. I even watched the EPL, um, the SPL. I was a massive sports fiend. I couldn't tell you one thing about it today. You know, um, I, I, ch I choose to use every single waking moment of my life to do jujitsu. Now, whether that's reading about it, watching it on on TV, studying film, studying my own film, talking to my coaches, breaking it down with teammates. Like I literally have made everything in my life about jujitsu, you know, even, even to the point where the things that, that don't involve jujitsu involve jujitsu. So, you know, my eating habits, you know, I, I like to eat in a certain schedule because my, my training regime is such that in San Diego, you know, I only have time to eat here. So, you know, when I come back to Edmonton and people are like, you know, what is your problem, dude? Like, why are you eating a little bit here and a little bit there and the schedule's here and you do this and you don't need to do these things? And I'm like, yeah, no, I do. Like, I, I need to set myself up um, for, you know, continued positivity in what I'm doing. So maybe if I'm only here for three weeks, I, you know, I'm not going to shut that off just because... Um, you know, I have downtime, you know, I'm going to try to do as much as possible to set myself up to be consistently, you know, rolling and, 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 and taking part in, in everything 
jujitsu wise. So, so like you really want to get good at something. If you, if you find something that you love and you, you're really into it and you want to get great at it right away, uh, but you don't know how, I, like, uh, let me tell you, shut your Netflix down, get rid of your TV, stop spending time on your computer. You know, if you're going to use your phone, use it for the thing that you love. You know, if you're going to use your computer, use it for the thing that you love. Um, saturate your life with whatever it is. And some people will be like, but then, you know, you, you don't have time for other things in your life. Well, there'll be time. If you choose to do something and do it greatly, these are the, the, the things that you have to sacrifice for them. Now, you know, I'm at the point in my life where I've saturated my life with jujitsu and I'm, I'm starting to go the other way. I want to like, I want to incorporate more things. I want to travel less for jujitsu and more for enjoyment, you know, but I've, I've done six years of it. I've, I've, I've attained a ranking in jujitsu I'm proud of, I, you know, and I don't really need to push myself like I did before. So, so I take the opportunity now to, to enrich my life in, in, in other ways, hopefully going forward in 2020. Um, but, um, but I'm still immersed, you know, deeply, deeply, deeply in, in jujitsu, no matter what. I'm really glad that you talked about that because it's like, I can relate with that. I, I canceled my cable a couple years ago. Like I, you got to pay to play. If you want to be really good at something, you have to like immerse yourself like with, with podcasts. Like I put out a high volume of podcasts. I talk to a lot of people because that's the only way to become a better host and to learn more and to actually pick up what people are throwing down. And it's, yeah. So hopefully somebody, uh, has a, their light bulb moment from hearing that. Like, if you want to be good at something, you got to do it a lot. All the time. So going into 2020, what's what's your approach on New Year's? Are you, like, someone who makes resolutions to get all hyped up? Or do you just want to grind it out and stay consistent? Um, I am going to have a little bit of a different trajectory going forward. Um, I think my jiu-jitsu life is going to look a lot different next year. Um, I've decided to buy into a new, um, a new gym that's opening. Uh, my team is expanding into, the, um, the Southern States, um, out East and, um, they're opening a gym out there. So, so, you know, going forward, I'm, I'm looking at being a owner, operator, teacher, um, instructor, um, of a, of a new, of a new gym here, which will mean I'll be probably out in San Diego quite a, quite a bit less. Um, but that'll still be my, my main training home. Um, but, uh, no, like, again, what, what I just touched on there is that, um, you know, there's, there's a delicate balance sometimes with life. It's not just about obsessing over one thing. And I, I realize that, but, um, you know, I don't think I could have gotten as good as I did in the, the, the time that I have, if I, if, if I didn't do what I did the way I did it. Um, and now I've, I've, I've noticed that, you know, my life has been suffering a little bit, um, you know, as far as like, like small things, um, you know, connections I have with friends are, are being lost. And, you know, although I'm picking up uh, connections as I go, um, these people have been in my life for some time. And when I get back, you know, these, these, these things are hard to deal with sometimes. So, um, so yeah, like, I think 2020 for me is going to be, you know, one of a new direction of jujitsu and hopefully, um, it'll be a lot more, um, um, re, um, introducing, um, enjoyment and social activity, um, rather than just, you know, traveling all the time for jujitsu. So. Absolutely. When it comes to like, like I kind of am of the belief that, uh, 
when you're sort of choosing your tribe or your people that surround you, you're going to be more effective or more successful if you're sort of choosing people that uh, sort of have the same, the same core values. So for yourself, if you had to define your core values, what would they be? Um, core, core values. Damn. Um, honesty goes a long way with me. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not, um, always the, um, I, I've been struggling in the past to articulate myself in ways that people, um, connect to, um, cause always the content of my message message comes from honesty, but sometimes it, um, comes across, you know, in many different ways that people don't connect to, you know, brash, arrogant, angry, um, you know, any ways that, that people, um, mentally can't connect with the message that I'm, that I'm trying to send it, it hurt, it actually hurts me now. Um, I, I've been trying to change that quite a bit, but, um, but I, I, I feel that for me, I, I find no higher value than, than honesty. Um, you know, and, um, uh, like respect for one another as well, you know, respect for your fellow human beings, um, and the people around you, um, not, and, and for yourself as well. So, you know, if I was just to pick a few, you know, those would definitely be, be, be the ones that I would lean on for sure. And those are really good ones. And like, they're, they're important. We can't take them for granted because like, in all of our communication that we have with the people in our lives, like it's good to have honesty and transparency and to really mm-hmm. understand that you're on the same page. And if you're not to be able to like lean into it and get on that same page. And honesty without judgment is important. You know, we are seldom in a place where we're necessarily listening um, to listen. Sometimes we're, we're doing the listening to reply thing, you know, and um I feel like that this has been something that I've dealt with um, in my own life that I'm that I'm that I'm not always always good at and I'm not always um, <clears throat> giving to people. But, you know, um, I feel like, you know, honesty without judgment is something that um, needs to definitely be more practiced for sure. I love it. Um, in the year 2019, what's a moment where you felt the most joy, where you felt the happiest? Uh, I'm probably one of the biggest ones was when I got my purple belt in October. Um, I've been working towards that, you know, for pretty much, I guess the beginning of my jujitsu journey, but I mean, I got my blue belt under the 10 planet system last year. Uh, sorry, two years ago, uh, July, July, uh, 2017. So, um, over the past two years, it's been a been a real big goal of mine to to, to attain this this rank. Um, not many of your listeners would know, but the washout rate at blue belt is almost eighty percent in jujitsu. So a lot of people get their blue belt and they dip. Um, so you know, to get a purple belt from your instructor first of all means that he doesn't think you're going to quit. You know, so um, that was a that was an amazing uh, moment for me to have my coach give me that blessing and um, really allow me to represent his team in a, in a, like a very um, high level now, you know, Um, more, more is expected of me. I know. Um, So um, it comes with a lot of pressure, 
but uh, at the same time, you know, um, I put in so much work um, and bled and sweat and cried and, you know, on that mat. And, um, you know, I, 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 that moment for me, I just remember it was just, it was like relief. It was yeah. like the most happiest relief, you know, so. So you talked about like that whole rate of people just kind of like mailing it in. Um, mm-hmm. Were there moments that you saw that the majority of people were doing that, that you thought, why not you do that too? Or like, like how did you press forward to, to get that next step? So the week before my world's match that I'd spoken about earlier in the podcast, I almost quit. Um, I'd been training uh, for 12 weeks for that specific match. So I trained for 11 weeks up to that date. And it was the last training. So you normally you, you train and then you take the week off. Um, so that was the last night of my training session. I got back to the hotel and I was staying with a friend of mine. And uh, I just started crying, just like uncontrollably, not sobbing or weaving, but just 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 crying. And my friend's like, yo, what's wrong? What's up? Um, and I was like, what's, what is the point of all this? Like, you know, I have a, I have a massive scab on my chin where people have been trying to choke me, you know, for 11 weeks and my body feels broken and my mind is just shattered. And my main training partner is a 17 year old kid. Cause he's, he's the guy that's in my weight class and he's beating the F out of me nonstop for 11 weeks and I'm getting to the gym and I'm hoping he's not there. Like that's how bad I'm getting beat up, you know? And, uh, I was like, what's the point of all this? What's, but I get to the match, like I stated previously, and I'm in the, I'm in the middle of the match thinking, is this it? Like, is this, is this all that it is? You know? And I, I, I got off the mat and I remembered right away that, week before where I'd just broken down and, you know, I was ready to pack it all in. Um, but that's just, that's just all the negativity, you know, that's all that's left over in your mind that has to grasp onto you to try to get you to quit. That's all that's left in there, you know, and that was that, you know, little piece of me just, just talking negative and, and not letting me get over it and not letting me realize of the 11 weeks of torture I've just put myself through to prepare for this, you know? So, um, so yeah, I, I, I think I'm a little off track with where we started here, but, um, but yeah, I mean, um, uh, you know, I, I definitely wish I would have kept these things in mind when I thought about, you know, about quitting or I'd, I'd been in that place. So, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've dealt with it before and I've dealt with it on a very large scale before a very like important tournament and still managed to just be able to take pride in the fact that I'm in a tough training room with people who are putting me through, you know, the best possible torture to prepare me for the worst possible event, you know? That's awesome. Do you find when it comes to moments like that, like that moment before the match um, or like the week before, is it your own uh, things that you're saying to yourself that gets you out of that rut or is it somebody else that gets you through it? I think it's a combination of both. I think I've been here enough times that I'm, I'm aware of like, you know, when you like, um, 
I don't know if you've done any combat sports training, but you see you see people enough over a week and you get to realize what they're going to throw at you. Well, I, myself the same, you know, I'm, I'm ready for all the hooks and jabs that I'm going to throw myself mentally now um, before the competition. So I'm a bit I'm a bit more ready for it. Um, but uh, but I think it has to be a combination of both. I, I really think you if you're dealing with these things in a way that you're not successful with, definitely reach out to people, um, you know, because we've all, we've all been there. We've all been there before, especially people that have been doing what you're doing for longer than what you've been doing, you know? So, um, so definitely reach out to people, but also have the innate ability to know um, you're going to go through these things and to have some sort of coping mechanisms to deal with it, even if it's just training harder. Yeah, I love it. So you travel to a lot of places. Um, what are three places that stand out to you, like that are memorable, that taught you something, or that it's just your favorite place to be? Um, well, I do really like San Diego. I connect with with that city not just because um, it's my training home, but um, I really enjoy the vibe there, the food, the people. Um, it's not exactly like LA. Um, where there's like a hustle and bustle and the traffic's crazy and um you know the people are weird um san diego um everybody's weirdness is is cool if that makes sense um um but uh but but san diego would definitely be one of them um you know i i, I connected deeply to my my homeland in glasgow i was born in glasgow and came to canada to grow up uh, when i was very young um my parents took me and my brother back consistently so we always got like a bit of a dual upbringing but just recently i was able to go back there and connect with it in a way that i hadn't before um so my my homeland always you know holds holds a deep place in my heart for sure um but uh the place that i've had fun in the most uh the place that i want to go back I, I spent one night in paris um one whole day in paris i should say um and i I decided not to do any Ubers. I got up at 5.30 in the morning. Um, I decided to wheel, like I stayed at a hotel near the Eiffel Tower. I wheeled to the Eiffel Tower in the morning, and then I wheeled up the hill to the to the Arc de Triomphe, and then I wheeled all the way back down the hill to the Louvre. And uh, I must have done about 14 miles that day, you know, all the way around uh, Napoleon's tomb and all the museums that were there. Um, and I got lost in parks and met people and, you know, drank wine with random people playing soccer and you know it was just that to me connect it, it connected this realization that i have been not traveling for enjoyment and there's so much more out there to see and do um in the moment um of traveling um and not having to like plan my day or 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 have you know set times and things to do now you know i've been, I've been very motivated in my travels just to just to land somewhere and not have a plan and just let the action um you know take me you know wherever it goes well i think that's an important takeaway for anybody because we get so uh we get so wrapped up on like knowing what to expect and we forget to sort of like take in that moment that is right there right now definitely definitely so my next question for you might be a tough question, but I'm going to ask it nonetheless. What's the, the stupidest thing that anybody has ever said to you regarding you living with a disability? Uh, 
um, you know, I'll go ahead and say this. Um, I used to be a real um, champion for people um, in wheelchairs. And by champion, I meant I made other people feel miserable about being stupid in front of disabled people. And I don't think that that's always the way um, to connect um, to people, um, to, to try to, you know, bring them into an understanding of, you know, what makes us comfortable and what doesn't make us comfortable. Um, I'm always hearing people's intent first. That's what I'm listening for. So if you're being stupid because you're ignorant, you know, um, like, I feel that that's like, you, you don't know what you don't know. So how can I hold you responsible for that? But if you're being deliberately, you know, cheeky or stupid, that's a whole different thing to me. Um, but I'm not going to go out of my way to make people feel bad because they make me feel bad, you know, um, especially if they don't mean it, you know what I mean? But I get people that, <clears throat> I get people that, you know, ask me if I can walk, you know, um, you know, uh, from airlines and things like that. And they're just doing their job, but clearly, you know, I, like I have bags strapped all over my chair and, you know, I'm, if I would have been able to walk, I would have kind of walked up here, I think, you know, and, you know, I get a lot of stupid questions flying, but it, it's only because these people have boxes to check. And, and, you know, if I got upset at every one of those people, man, that would be a tough day, you know? Oh, so I just, sure. I just kind of laugh it off. And, um, and some people even realize they're like, that was stupid, wasn't it? And I'm like, yeah, you know, like you, you got a job to do, you know? So well, it's it's a great thing to talk about because it's like, yeah, you don't know what you don't know. And uh, even just like scheduling this podcast recording, I was like, well, shit, I was telling myself, don't say anything stupid. Like, I, I live in a condo that's three floors up and there's no elevator. And I was like, shit, um, uh, <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? And it's like just little things that we encounter. And uh it's crazy, but at the same time, the more the more equipped and resilient and understanding and the better of a listener you are, like you approach it with the right mindset. Whereas a lot of people are going to like start to to take jabs because somebody said something that was maybe a little bit insensitive. But if they if they don't know, they don't know. You know, and like snarkiness gets you nowhere. You don't get that person to be on your side if you're if you're if you're being snarky with them. So, and it, to me, like if if you've said something that I perceive to be stupid, but isn't mean or threatening me in any way, chances are I'm not even going to correct you. You know what I mean? I'm, I, that's the person that I am, yeah. you know, but, um, but, uh, again, you know, if you're going out of your way to say something, you know, that's, that's hurtful or mean to me, you know, I'm, I'm fully prepared to be that asshole, you know, back. So, Totally. You gotta like, you gotta have your own back when you need to. Um, for sure. So my, my next question for you is when it comes to like, uh, how you show up in the world, like it kind of, in a way it sort of like manifests outcomes. So like how going into this new decade, this new year, how do you want to show up in the world every day? What are like some things that are just going to be consistent for you? Well, to take that out of it 
would be the perfect thing for me going forward into the next year. I, I don't want it to be about a year. I don't want it to be about a date on a calendar. I'm just going to be consistent um, over, you know, every single day. Like we are not promised tomorrow. You know, I, all I can deal with is today. I can set myself up for a future of tomorrow, but to worry about it or, you know, to stress about it, to be anxious about it, you know, um, to try to control it, you know, it doesn't make sense to me. I've been reading a guy named Alan Watts uh, lately, uh, listening to a little bit of Alan Watts. Uh, he's a uh, English um, philosopher, uh, author, um, um, intellect, uh, but he talks about, um, you know, if you knew your future and you could control it, that's actually already a lived past. Like, what what are you doing? stressing or being anxious or trying to control the future you you're taking time out of the knowing and the 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 enjoying of today you know even if your moment in the today isn't that great you just know that tomorrow is another opportunity to do shit over again you know so um that you know the that's the hardest part for me is always the mental game it's always remembering that there's another tomorrow to make shit better than it was today um so you know, trying to be consistent that 1% extra every day is just the, the best you can do. And, and try not to, you know, um, have it set on a marker or a calendar or a date. Just try to do it every day, you know? That's perfect. If you could, like, sit down and have coffee with one person in the world, like, even even if they've already left this world, like, who would it be? Hmm actually just had this uh, conversation real recently and, and I couldn't come up with one, but um, who, who, who would it be? Um, I think it would probably be somebody, um, you know, somebody who's, who's changed the world for humanity in some way. Um, you know, I was really big into reading um, um, Malcolm X when I was 14 or 15, it wasn't everybody's cup of tea back then. Um, but, um, you know, I've, I found connection with him in this, um, idea of by any means necessary. Um, so, you know, I, I would, I would probably look to sit with a public figure who changed humanity, you know, like, like Malcolm X, like Martin Luther King, um, you know, somebody like that who, um, who's just influenced change um on a on a really positive level throughout the world um and just ask them what their what their deal is you know yeah that's awesome that's that's a good uh good person to probably sit down with so i have a mm. question that i ask every one of my guests and then i compile it and i put some cold play in the background and it sounds really nice but anyways um <laughs> if you were to give one piece of advice on how to live your life to the fullest and the most true to you way, what would that piece of advice be? All right. Um, I would definitely say live unapologetically do everything in your life that brings you happiness and never apologize once for it. Please don't hurt people along the way. Don't hurt yourself along the way. You know, try to make all the right choices as far as uh, it relates to your your health and well-being and the, and the health and well-being of people around you. 
but at the end of the day you have one life to live and if you're not doing it happy you're doing it wrong that's awesome i love that so that basically wraps it up thanks for joining me today no worries man thank you for having me Thanks for listening to this episode, and I'm just going to give you a final spoiler for a new project coming out in January. If you've been listening to some of the recent episodes, I've talked about a daily podcast, and I'm proud to announce that it is completely free. It is derived on conversations and questions that just come up to me day to day. It's going to be about 12 minutes long every single day. It's going to be real talk by the Lifestyle Chase. Coming soon, January 1st, 2020. Stay tuned. Welcome to Real Talk by The Lifestyle Chase. This is a daily, community-supported, 12-minute podcast that complements The Lifestyle Chase while targeting specific topics each day. Let's begin.